and I stepped on your applause on purpose. And I did that not because we're not excited about what the worship team sounded like and not because it's not appropriate to, to, to applaud an amen, but because I wanted us to remain right there in our spirit of worship, contemplating the very reckless love of God. Friends, in our text this morning that, that we're going to read in just a moment, towards the conclusion is this verse 19. And Amy, I'm going to ask that you bring that up right, right now. Paul, towards the end of our text today, he says, Pray also for me so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel. I think we lose this sometimes, this this notion, this idea that it is, in fact, a mystery. It's something that's confusing. A mystery is something that doesn't make sense, that's counterintuitive, that we wouldn't normally put together. Did you hear those words, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God that chases us down, it fights till we're found, it leaves the 99 sheep to find the one. We couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. And still, God gives God's self away. If you hear nothing else that I say this morning, hear the truth. The mystery of the gospel says that you are a beloved child of God. A beloved child of the creator of the universe. Amen? So our scripture this morning, it comes from the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, where we'll continue. Patrick has led us through Ephesians for the last uh, three weeks, along with the Revised Common Lectionary. And so there we pick up again today. Chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 20. I invite you to follow along in the Bible that you brought from home or on the screens here. Paul writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And everybody went, ooh. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray also for me 
so that when I speak, a message may be given to me to make known the boldness, the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it boldly as I must speak. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So as I mentioned, we've, we've spent these past three weeks in the book of Ephesians, and whether you are here or not, I, I just want to spend a couple of minutes just to review kind of where we've come and how we've gotten to where we are today. So three weeks ago, Paul made it clear that we each have a calling, that, that we're all called to a purpose, each and every one of us, distinct And that it's up to us to live into that calling. And to do that, we need to grow. So that we don't spend our lives as as spiritual children. As Toys R Us kids. Right? Second, Patrick pointed out that words matter. Paul writes about the importance of what we say. And it's not simply because of what we say is important, but because what we say leads to what we do and how we behave. Words matter. And last week, we were reminded to be mindful. We are to live carefully. We are to live intentionally. We need to be on purpose, Christians. So what does our text teach for us, teach us today? I believe our text teaches us three things. First, that we need to acknowledge the situation that we are presently in so that we can get to work. That there is equipment available available to us and we need all of it. And that all of this originates with God. So first, we need to acknowledge the situation that we're in so we can get to work. That there is equipment available to us and we need all of it. And finally, that all of this originates with God. So what is this situation that we find ourselves in? Why does Paul write this letter to the Ephesians? And why is it important for us now? I'd like to refer back to verse 12 for just a moment. Because Paul points it out right here. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Spiritual forces of evil. This is not something we talk about a whole lot. Spiritual forces of evil. I think if we're honest... It sounds a little bit like a fairy tale, right? Sounds like we're maybe talking about a science fiction movie. And I think many of us are are uncomfortable speaking about our faith and our world in terms like this, particularly those of us in the Presbyterian church, particularly those who consider themselves educated, The notion of spiritual warfare makes us uncomfortable. In fact, there are some of you sitting there right now thinking, I can't believe I came today. This is what he's going to talk about. But let me ask you this. 
Have you ever come home at the end of a long day? Have you ever come back home at the end of a long week? And you just felt beat down. Your body hurts. Your head swimming. Your soul is tired. You have done everything right this week in work. And things still just aren't turning out the way that they are supposed to. You've done everything that the doctor said that you were supposed to do. You, you followed the, the diet, right? You, you've done the treatments. You did them in the right order. And yet still the diagnosis is worse than it was a month ago. Or that person that you trusted, that family member or friend, they've let you down again. And your whole being aches. This is the kind of warfare that our scripture speaks into today. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you and I are in battle. Looking further at verse 11. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The wiles. Which is what all of you said this morning, right? You said, honey, be sure to get up and get ready. We need to get to church to prepare against the wiles of the devil. We all said that, right? We don't typically see it this way. Because for many of us, when we talk about the devil, when we say that word even, it conjures up images of, of, of little guys in red pajamas and pitchforks. Images of Halloween. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis uh, talks about this just, just a little bit. C.S. Lewis, uh, scholar, uh, linguistic scholar, um, and professor came to faith later in life and wrote among a, a num number of books, Mere Christianity. And I think it's helpful to remember, even before we look at this, that this is written against the backdrop of World War II, it's against the backdrop of Nazi-occupied Europe. C.S. Lewis refers to this world as enemy-occupied territory. And normally I don't like to just read to you, but, but his words are so perfect. Enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say, landed in disguise. And is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you go to church, you are really listening to the, into the secret wireless from our friends. That is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going. He does it by playing on our conceit and laziness and intellectual snobbery. I know someone will ask me, do you really mean at this time of day, or an expression in his time that would have just meant in this day and age, 
to reintroduce our old friend, the devil. Hoof and horns and all? Well, what the time of day has to do with it, I do not know. And I am not particular about the hoofs and the horns. But in other respects, my answer is yes, I do. But I do not claim to know anything about his personal appearance. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say, in disguise, and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. So what is our part to play? I believe that Paul makes it clear here that we are not to be passive, that we are to be active agents as this plays out. We are not simply observers, and in fact, this place, this community of faith, this church, is a base, a place from which we can be launched, a place which we come to prepare, a place where we can be equipped. But first, we have to acknowledge that there's a situation that we're in. So, it was almost exactly a year ago, it was on Labor Day of last year, uh, my wife Amy and I, Amy's a teacher here at Happy Land, we were both off of work and we decided we'd go to the beach Labor Day early morning and watch the sunrise. And after we watched the sunrise, we thought, you know what, we're going to go to Publix and we're going to get grocery shopping knocked out for the week and then we're going to put our feet up the rest of the day. And we got to, to Publix on that Labor Day and we ran into a, a couple from church actually. And uh, they had their shopping cart full of water bottles. He said, what are, you, what are you doing? And they said, have you not seen the news? They had woken up that morning and seen that Irma was beginning to track our way. And so it was that Amy and I looked at each other and thought, I guess we'll get our stuff too. And so we did. We got our cases of water and our batteries and our other supplies. And we, and we took them home with really no issue at all. No lines, no people running around. Did you all have the same experience that week? If you remember, as the days progressed, anxiety escalated as we slowly came to grips with the hurricane. But it wasn't until you chose to acknowledge, it wasn't until you decided, yes, we're in this, until you could begin to equip yourselves for what was to come. And so we first need to acknowledge that we're in this situation. And then Paul identifies the equipment that we need. And I want to be sure that, that we all understand that this isn't a teaching on spiritual gifts. When we read about spiritual gifts, Paul will say, well, well, some people are blessed with this, and then some people are blessed with that. And then and some, there are some that are going to be really good at this thing, but, but others are going to be good at this. That is not what we're talking about here. Paul says that, that we all need to put on the full armor of God. All of these things, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel of peace, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, truth, righteousness, the good news of peace, faith, knowledge of salvation, and the Spirit. Friends, we could spend weeks exploring what each of those looks like practically. 
And we're not going to do that this morning. But what I want you to hear is that we are to take up that whole package. So with that in mind, consider with me. Where are the chinks in your armor? Some of us are wearing truth and perhaps others salvation, some righteousness. But we are to put on the whole armor of God. As Patrick mentioned, in about a week and a half, Wednesday, September 5th, right in here will be a ministry fair. We'll have dinner together. And then, and then along these walls will be tables, will be set up with all of the classes, ministries, missions, and service activities and fellowship events of this congregation and church for the new year, for this next program ministry year. Facilitators will be here. Our staff will be here in order to answer questions, in order to talk with you to equip you with how to fix the chinks in your armor. Where does it need strengthening? That following Sunday, we'll be right back here for worship at 9.30, and those tables will still be set up. Friends, where does your armor need strengthening? Is it knowledge? Do you need more biblical knowledge so that your faith can grow into more than simply just knowing what the Apostles' Creed says? So that you can know deep down in your being who Jesus is? Do you need a community of faith? Do you need fellowship? Are you alone in this right now? Come here, we have a ministry for that. Are you engaged in service in our community? My friends that are in recovery remind me all of the time the importance of service. Because somehow, when we serve others, we are renewed. Who are you serving now? Come here on the 5th. Come here on rally day because we have a ministry for that. And all of this comes together and sums up into our point. And frankly, it's, it's what we began with today in talking about the mystery of the gospel. And that is that all of this originates with God. Our text this morning, however, I should say the translation that we hold is unhelpful in this regard because I believe it misleads us. I believe it hides this truth that all of this originates with God. If you were born about the year 1990 or before, when I say Unabomber, you picture... Guy in hoodie, sunglasses, right? Right? <laughs> okay. 
If not, this whole next illustration is going nowhere. <laughs> Thank you. So, in 1993, when the FBI took up the investigation uh, for the Unabomber, they commissioned a sketch artist to make a drawing. And it was uh, interviewing one eyewitness that they had who had caught a glimpse of the suspect through a window walking through a parking lot. This is the composite sketch that you remember, a hoodie, sunglasses, you've seen uh, on the cover of Newsweek magazine. However, if you've seen pictures of Ted Kaczynski, the man who confessed to being the Unabomber, and you hold them against picture, this, this composite picture, you will notice that it really doesn't look like him. In fact, you think this sketch artist probably needs another job. Either that or the witness, right? Some, somewhere, something was lost. The Discovery series released Manhunt about a year ago, and it investigates the Unabomber uh, investigation, and it offers this interesting explanation. The 1993 sketch that you saw in Newsweek is actually the second sketch that was ever drawn. In 1987, there was an original sketch of the Unabomber, same witness, different artist, and this is before the FBI had picked up the investigation. If you go back and look at that 1987 sketch, it actually looks an awful like Ted Kaczynski, wearing sunglasses and a hoodie, but the chin is different, the cheekbones are different, the forehead is all different. In 1993, the FBI, they called the witness back in, six years later, had him work with a new sketch artist, When you look at a picture of that sketch artist, excuse me, of the original sketch artist, it looks exactly like the 1993 drawing. This witness had described to the 1993 sketch artist the first artist he worked with. It all got lost in translation. had seen the Unabomber for just a moment, but spent an awfully long time with that first sketch artist. Friends, this, this all too happens, often happens when we look again at scripture. We are left trying to understand what the original author's intention was, what their context was, and in this case, what the actual original language was. When we look at this passage, we, we, we see these two phrases, finally be strong in the Lord. In verse 10, Paul says, be strong in the Lord. It sounds a lot like a coach telling a player, walk it off. Be strong, right? Pull yourself up from the bootstraps. In verse 16, it says with all of these, take the shield of faith. Grab that shield. Take the shield. But the Greek, the original doesn't say any of this. In the Greek, with respect to the shield, it, it, it says, take the shield as if receiving a gift. It's this word used when someone gives you something freely and you accept it. 
And in the Greek, it's not understood, be strong in the Lord, but better be made strong by the Lord. Be made strong by the Lord. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, knowledge, the spirit, it all originates with God and it is given to us freely for us to accept, for us to take, to be made strong. Friends, we may be surrounded by forces of evil, but as C.S. Lewis reminds us, the rightful king has landed and seeks to equip us with the things that we require. We don't have to construct them. We simply need to receive them. And I want to invite you to join us here in a couple of weeks for Rally Day. Join us this year in our classes, in our missions of service. Join us in this community and be made strong by the Lord. Allow us to help you recognize the mystery of the gospel that you are a beloved child of God. Simply because God made you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I think that for many of us, we've heard the gospel message so many times growing up that we fail to understand the full implication. Or perhaps we've been wounded by the church growing up. And frankly, the gospel message has totally gotten lost. Lord, as we move into this new ministry year, God, reconnect us with the truth of your grace and your mercy so that together we might join in the battle here and bring your kingdom to earth. And all God's people said, amen.